um, Sean and So Jill's not coming. Well, we have representation. We do. Um, good afternoon, and welcome to our regularly scheduled meeting of the Joint City and School District and Select Committee for Thursday, October 23rd. Uh, my name is Jane Kim. I serve as the chair, and I'm joined by my colleague, Supervisor Mark Farrell, our Vice Chair, Commissioner Sandra Lee Fewer from the Board of Education, and Commissioner Hydra Mendoza. I want to recognize our clerks, Derek Evans and Esther Casco, as well as um, Jen Lowe. Oh, actually not Jen Lowe, sorry. Jesse Larson and Derek Fernandez from TV, who record um, our meetings and make them available um, to our public. Madam Clerk, are there any announcements? Uh, there are none, Supervisor. Um, could we please take roll call? Okay. Um, Commissioner Fewer? Here. Um, Supervisor Kim? Here. Ms. Mendoza? McDonald? Thank you. And uh, Supervisor Farrell? Present. Thank you. We have a quorum. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry, but do you call the rest of the roll? Ah, okay. This is new. I, we haven't called roll before. We I did last month. So sorry. So sorry. And so the other members, I'll call roll for Supervisor Avalos. And absent. And Commissioner Jill Wins is also absent. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Could we please call the first item? Thank you, Commissioner. You're not Commissioner anymore, Supervisor. It is uh, file number 140987, and it's a hearing on educational and support services for unaccompanied immigrant children. Thank you. Um, this was a hearing request um, on presentations from SFUSD, the Department of Public Health, and human, uh, the Department of Human Services Agency, um, the Department of Family and Children's Services Division regarding educational services and other support services being <clears throat> provided to um, increased numbers of unaccompanied minors um, and immigrant children arriving in San Francisco. Um, this item uh, was heard um, on September 25th. No action was taken due to the lack of quorum, and I do need to take a motion of this um, a motion on this item. So I'd like to take a motion to file. Um, can we take that motion without opposition? And we can do so. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Can you please call the second item? Thank you, Supervisor. It's file number 140962. It's a hearing on the city's policies for planning for new student enrollment due to increased residential development. Thank you. Um, I, sorry, I'm pulling up my notes. Um, as you know, um, this item uh, was brought to us actually by the school district. The city is currently experiencing a tremendous amount of residential growth, a topic of discussion um, over the last two years, um, both here in the city, but also um, throughout our residential neighborhoods. 
What has specifically come forward, though, is actually some positive news, um, which is that our school district enrollment continues to grow as it has um, over the last couple of years. And now what we're starting to actually feel the impact of is, is potentially that we may be reaching, um, we may be reaching some uh, limitations within our own school district capacity um, due to the tremendous growth here on the city. So this hearing was put forward and requested actually by President Sandra Lee Fewer to understand how residential growth and our overall planning process will impact our schools now and in the future. Historically, the school district has not been a part of the larger city planning discussion. This hearing is intended to start this discussion between the planning department and SFUSD about this new residential growth. Um, today, we have Gil Kelly from the planning department who is here to present on the growth and recent trends influencing growth in San Francisco. Part of the story that we want to focus on today is how both baby boomers and millennials are choosing to live in the city, driving the demand for new residential development. In addition, the city has a goal to produce 33% of new residential units as affordable um, to 60% of our residents. Many of these units are built, being built on the east side of the city and much in the district that I represent, which includes the South of Market and Mission Bay. And historically, many families have students that go to SFUSD. Um, we also have um, Orla O'Keefe um, from SFUSD who will be presenting to provide an overview of SFUSD's current methodology for projecting enrollment forecasts. Um, incredibly interest, interesting. I actually had a moment to glance at it um, over the last couple of weeks and how SFUSD plans for potential enrollment growth. Additionally, the school district is being asked to weigh in on developments that could have a direct impact on school sites, and they would like to be able to consider the big picture um, throughout the city rather just, than just being ad hoc and site-specific at each instance. I know that the mayor and Superintendent Carranza has been thinking about this issue, and I want to thank um, Hydra Mendoza for convening city staff and SFUSD to begin this conversation last month to better align what we're planning here in the city along with SFUSD and their school enrollment projections. So before we start, I would like to give an opportunity um, both to our school board president um, and also to our commissioner um, to make some comments. Thank you, Supervisor Kim. Just to give our listening public a little background on this, the San Francisco Unified School District must, by law, educate every student um, with a public, free and public education if they do so choose. And so our obligation, I feel, compels us to have this hearing and also to collaborate with the city as we are looking at a increased um, of residents in San Francisco, I think that is unprecedented in San Francisco history. So the way the school district works is that by fire code, we must serve all special ed students, kindergarten and first grade students on the first floor of our buildings. And if we are to accommodate the increasing growth of families here in San Francisco, we will may see a huge boom with kindergarten and first grade students in the next seven to ten years. And so we now are looking at Commissioner um, Mendoza McDonald is on the Buildings and Grounds Committee with me, and she knows that we have designated certain areas or properties that we own at San Francisco Unified as surplus properties. So in order for us to make a, a um, I think, an, an 
I guess, an informed decision about our properties in San Francisco, at San Francisco Unified, it is important for us to understand the population growth, where is this growth happening, where, who is moving in, how many will students can we anticipate will use our system, and how many <coughs> students will we need to plan for. So I thank you for calling this hearing. So then, um, seeing no further opening remarks, um, we will have the planning department come before us. Um, can we have the mic? Should be on. There we go. Great. Thank you, Mr. Kelly, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, good afternoon, supervisors uh, and commissioners. Uh, my name is Gil Kelly. Uh, I direct the citywide planning uh, division of the planning department for the city. Let me just first of all say that um, this is a great moment. It's, it's good to be in this partnership with the school district to do forward-looking planning. Um, it's something that should happen, and my understanding is it hasn't happened a lot in the past, so this is a great moment. Uh, for the listening audience, I'm not here to present the results of a planning process, but really we're at the very first step. Um, so my role today really is to give you a bit of an overview of the growth projections that we see for the city. Um, our work to date has been to look at um, really the long-term projections, meaning the 2040 projections, um, basically derived from the uh, ABAG uh, plan projections, the uh, Bay Area, one Bay Area plan, um, and then to begin to land those on the ground in areas where we've already done the land use planning and see kind of where the where the gaps are. Um, we look forward in the future to, um, in our process, to kind of breaking this down by decade or by five-year increments to allow the kind of planning that was referred to that would be useful for the school district. Um, so at the beginning here to share our data, let me just make sure I can call up on the screen the right. on your screens or not? No. Is it up on your computer screen? MSFGov TV. Yes, there we go. So I uh, apologize for not having today's date on this. This is a presentation that we made to... If you uh, can speak into the mic me, to the, to the for joint, the members of the public. Yeah, thank you. To the joint group. Um, seeing how to advance this here. Apologize, I'm not being able to... Mr. Kelly, I know it's your first time presenting to our committee, but we usually um, request copies for each of the committee I members. I apologize for that. Thank you. Um, I'm not able to advance the slides for some reason. If we could get some assistance from SFGovTV or the clerk's office on this issue. 
It's come up on their screen. So I see up. it right there. Right. So it's not coming up here and it's not advancing. I guess it's going to show here, okay. but you can just advance through the arrows. Arrow. Yep. Okay. Okay. If these are coming up on your screen, I'll I'll proceed then. Yes. Okay. Um, again, apologies for the technical difficulties. I wanted to begin by just saying that there are some very large trends that are affecting growth uh, in the city and particularly in the school district population. In general, these are um, the following uh, return to cities. Uh, the sprawl phenomenon appears to have peaked in this country and people are moving back to the urban cores, and that includes families. Uh, so that's a mega trend that we're, uh, we're feeling the results of. There's been a concomitant um, uh, decline in driving and a desire to live uh, where there's more mobility by transit and by walking to services. Uh, those, again, accrue to the benefit uh, and the growth of cities. Um, we're seeing here, particularly in the San Francisco Bay Area, that uh, the business uh, and technology sector in particular is beginning to urbanize as well. So we're seeing the, the, the um, location of many of the headquarters for uh, social media and other high technology companies right in the heart of the city here, which is bringing employment and uh, population back into the city. Uh, there is also state policy around greenhouse gas emissions and limiting those, which is essentially directing more of the growth to transit-served areas, uh, again close in. And finally, as was alluded to in the opening remarks, um, Increasingly, both millennials and uh, boomers are wanting to live in the city, and so the millennials are, of course, having uh, children, and the question is, will they stay? Um, and that's kind of the big question for us uh, jointly going forward in our, our planning work. Um, this is kind of a glimpse of the Bay Area projections that I mentioned at the out outset here. This comes from um, the Plan Bay Area, work done by ABAG, and they'll be updating this plan in 2017. But the growth projections essentially are fairly robust for the Bay Area. You can see a growth of about 2 million uh, people in that next 25-year um, uh, time frame. Um, and a, a bunch of that will land in San Francisco, about 15% of the, of the regional share. And that translates to about 92,000 housing units or a little over 200,000 new people living in San Francisco by 2040. Um, and uh, about 190,000 uh, new jobs in San Francisco. So again, as I mentioned, we'll need to start sort of breaking this down into nearer-term projections, but that's the overall scale of growth that we're dealing with. So you can imagine 200,000 people coming as basically a whole city's worth uh, of population. Um, we have certain tools that we've been using uh, deliberately to plan for this growth and to help 
make sure that the amenities and services are there. We have area plans, development agreements, um, some redevelopment areas that are that were pre-existing that will take some of that growth that have enforceable obligations. And then there's just a fair amount of smaller scale background growth outside of these areas. Um, these, uh, this map is sort of a depiction of the area plans that have already been done. Uh, again, we expect that a lot of this growth is going to land uh, on the east side of the city and the southeast side in particular, as Supervisor Kim alluded to earlier. But that's not an exclusive phenomenon. There will be growth and change in the other areas of the city as well, just not to the extreme extent. Um, remember, though, that this slide is really depicting new growth and so how households and demographics change in the existing housing stock is another interesting question for, for school planning. Um, this slide simply depicts that we are, in, in, in fact, still sort of hunting for space for about 50,000 jobs that we haven't landed on the ground through any of these area planning efforts so far. So we've, we've done a good job of sort of uh, estimating where that housing growth will go, but not all of the employment growth. Um, and this is driving a lot of the discussion in the current planning in Central Soma, for example. That's the, the difference between those numbers on the bottom line. This is simply a, a series that just shows um, on the top in two dimensions, on, on the bottom in three dimensions, where the current housing densities are, where we expect in the middle column the new growth um, to be located primarily. And again, this is just the new housing and then in the final is the composite. Um, so again, the bottom half of this is simply depicting that in a 3D format. Similarly, um, you can see the concentrations in the, in the, uh, in the center uh, and in the eastern neighborhoods. Uh, similarly, with jobs, this is even more exaggerated on the jobs front. Um, here's where we expect most of the new jobs to go compared to where they are now. And I just wanted to end with these challenges, which um, will be no surprise to you, but I think do underlie this conversation uh, with the school district, um, which is that, um, again, we need to understand more about what are the preferences of the millennials with school-aged children? What are they looking for besides good schools? Um, that's got to be part of our planning work. Um, what are the infrastructure demands that we're going to need to accommodate this growth in population, and that lands very heavily on the transportation uh, discussion. In much of the new growth area, we have very deficient transportation services. Um, housing costs, of course, uh, are a huge driver in this conversation. Will families be able to afford to live in San Francisco? Um, much discussion and work going on on that currently, but that remains um, a major, major issue as to how many families will actually be able to afford to live in San Francisco. Um, again, what will be the relative diversity of the population that will be arriving here and that will be staying here? Um, and then finally, how do we sort of plan for up and down in the economic cycles that we'll undoubtedly be seeing over this longer-term planning period? These are sort of the unknowns in terms of projecting for school population, um, but they affect other components of our planning work. So I just wanted to give you that overview, and again, to say that um, we're really at the beginning of this planning work with the school district and really look forward to the partnership. I think it's very meaningful for, hopefully, for both of our entities. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. Um, just a couple of questions. Um, yes. First, I'm really glad 
um, that planning department and SFUC sitting down. And actually, in my recollection, I think it's the first time this has ever happened. Um, and it's actually, um, you know, it's a positive because I know for um, since the 80s, what we've largely seen at SFUSD was a declining population um, up until probably six or seven years ago when it started to study, and then we start to see a slow growth um, back into SFUSD. Um, some of it, you know, I know initially was um, some of the factors that initially was uh, slated to was actually that the economy had gone downhill and many parents, you know, were choosing public school because it was the affordable option mm -hmm. um, for them to stay in the city. But now as our economy comes back into swing, we're actually seeing that enrollment continues to grow. grow. So there is a positive trend of um, not just families staying in San Francisco, but families that stay here choosing to go to public school, which I think yeah. says a lot um, about the achievements that the school district has made. I'm curious if um, if the planning department um, does survey work um, with the types of choices that families are making um, in, choose of, in terms of choosing to stay or leave in, leave in San Francisco. Um, are they staying or are they leaving when their kids become school age? Are there areas where we may want to collect more data through a survey of new residents with young children zero to five? Are these any considerations that the planning departments make in order to help us with our planning work? Thanks very much for, for focusing on that question. I raised the same question, and, and the truth is we haven't done a lot of that survey work, um, mm -hmm. and we need to. One of the difficulties in that, and it's only a, a challenge, not, a, not a, a reason not to do it, is that the best answers often come from people who have left the district, and so we need to find where they went and mm -hmm. what, what caused their move. Um, and there are different ways you can do that. Um, so that's one of the reasons we look forward to dealing with in the kind of the details with the school district and its uh, demography team. It has a consulting team that I think is um, potentially being engaged that we want to work very closely with to see how do we best get at that very question you're asking. Because it's important to know, other than the quality of schools themselves, what is causing people to either stay or leave when they have kids. Right. I, I can imagine the challenge that it would be to have to survey former residents that love the city yeah. to understand the factors that affected their yeah. decision to leave. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll ask this, I may ask this again at the end, but I'm curious moving forward what the plan is now um, with the planning department and SFUSD on tackling this question. Well, again, we're at the beginning of the process, and I think that we're very interested in this question because. Um, we can do all the planning we want for the physical form of the city, um, but if we somehow lose our soul and you lose the families that really make up the city, then we've, we've lost something. So this is a, a little bit of a new kind of planning for us, but one that I very much look forward to. In mm -hmm. fact, so. And my understanding <laughs> is that you'll now also be meeting quarterly, that that's an outcome. Yes. yes. Um, so there'll be regular yes. conversations that are planned. Um, and I also know that we'll be exploring maybe what other cities that are growing their school district yes. um, are doing within the planning department. Yes. And I found it very interesting. Um, now it seems um, serendipitous, but when we hired Carlos Garcia um, from Las Vegas, um, he had told us that one of his um, challenges was actually that he was building schools because mm -hmm. Las Vegas is a growing county unlike San yeah. Francisco. Yeah. And I know he then... Uh, attracted or retained Richard Carranza also from Las Vegas. So they have an experience being in a growing school district. Mm -hmm. And it's very exciting that that might be the position that SFUSD is in. And it would be great to explore what counties um, like, um, like populations in, in Las Vegas are doing. It's my understanding that actually the planning department there um, includes the school district and all of their residential 
um, development approvals um, so that the school district can plan to build new schools based on where the yeah. growth is occurring. Yeah, very interesting. You know, I, I think on, on, on that point, um, part of this is about overall projections and predicting growth and, and roughly where it will happen, but part of it is going right down into the sort of um, trenches with the school district about yeah. their particular sites that they own and which ones are best right. to think about reusing and rebuilding and which yeah. ones might be disposed of for housing or other purposes. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much, Mr. Kelly. Thank you. Um, and next, uh, we do have Orla O'Keefe um, to present on behalf of the school district. Do you need assistance? We might. I'm, I'm so if we could ask the clerk's office to come back and assist us. Thank you, Mr. C. Good afternoon, committee members. Thank you very much for the opportunity to discuss and share information with you this afternoon. Um, just to give you a, an over, I'm hoping the technology works and I apologize if it's for the delay. Hopefully you've all received a copy of the presentation um, that I'm about to review. Um, It's unclear how to move from page to page on the presentation, so I need some assistance with that. That was the same issue. Um, if we could have the clerk's office return to help us with the technical issues here, thank you. Okay, I think we might have figured it out. Thanks, Jamila. So in today's presentation, here are some of the questions that we're going to explore. Um, how does SFUSD develop enrollment forecasts and how frequently um, does the district refresh the forecasts? What did the last enrollment forecast reveal? 
and when and how will SFUSD refresh its uh, forecast moving forward, and what are some of the long-term challenges and questions the district is exploring. So I'm going to start by sharing a little bit about the the process the district uses. So we've engaged LAPCOF Global A Demographic Research demographers for a number of years to develop enrollment forecasts for the district. Um, they developed them in 2002, 2010, and again in 2013. And what we found is that um, each time they've developed enrollment forecasts, the outcome, the actual enrollments have ended up being almost exactly the same. So we've uh, historically have had a very high degree of confidence in the approach that they take. Um, what they do is they use data from a variety of sources. So they get data from the San Francisco Planning Department, the Housing Authority, uh, the Office of Community Investment and Infrastructure. These are the divisions that they worked with the last time and got data from. Uh, Treasure Island Deve Development Authority, the U.S. Census data, and SFUSD enrollment data, current and historic. And what they do, the method they do is they look at births, birth trends in San Francisco and kindergarten enrollment, housing growth, and a key element of that is um, work around the looking at the student yields. So I thought this afternoon I'd go a little bit deep on the method that they used um, for the student yields because I think that's key to the discussion, how, how we're um, using that information for forecasts. I thought this was um, so interesting. So the um, number of births has increased Increase, the number, when we're talking about births, we're talking about residents of San Francisco. It increased during the 2000, starting this decade, or last decade, resulting in an increase in enrollments in K-12 that already, that started increasing at, from their low point in 2008. Most of the enrollment changes since 2008 can be explained by changes in birth numbers. Um, birth numbers have been an excellent predictor of future kindergarten and subsequent enrollments. So specifically, kindergarten enrollments have equaled about half of the number of births in, to San Francisco residents five years early, earlier. And falling birth numbers resulted in um, SFUSD enrollment declines. And beginning in the early 2000s and continuing through the middle of the decade, um, there was a, a slight decline. And then starting in uh, the en elementary enrollments declined first, followed by decline in middle and finally in high school enrollments. But in 2005, the number of births to San Francisco rose, causing first an increase in elementary and then just recently a growth in middle school and high school enrollments are expected to begin rising. Um, as I mentioned, forecasts depend, in addition to looking at the births, depend on assumptions regarding student yields, which is the average number of students per housing. So what the demographers did in their latest report to calibrate their assumptions um, about student yields, they measured student yields in several um, of completed redevelopment projects, and they're listed here on the slide. So Treasure Island, SFHA, Mission Bay, Rincon Hill, SOMA, and some large condominium, condominium buildings. And it turns out that yields vary widely um, depending on the type of housing. And what they did, the next slide, which I'll bring up now, shows for one particular area what they did. So for each of the housing in the area, um, they looked at the type of units that were in it, the number of units that were in it, the number that were affordable, and then they took an average of SFUSD and students enrolled in SFUSD over a period of seven years. And they used that to um, create a yield um, per type of housing. And so the next slide actually shows what that is. These are the comparable yields that were used in the forecast um, 
that are in our most recent forecast. Now, that throughout the document, and hopefully you've received the full report as well, um, they caution constantly that if the market rate units generate more students, then the forecasts are too low. And they suggested that it's really important to monitor new developments to see if our assumptions are correct. So as um, housing becomes completed, to just continue to do that kind of analysis to see what the student yields might be. The next um, slide shows new housing and enrollment forecasts. So with the data that they had at the time from the planning department um, and from the other departments that they worked with to get data, these were some of um, what they um, forecast, that with the more than 77,000 new housing units would yield more than 8,000 K-12 public school students once completed. Um, and that the students would ent enter gradually to SFUSD over the 30-year period. They looked out as far as 2040. Again, they said it was really important to monitor the progress um, so the forecast could be adjusted. And that the Hope SF, the Hunter's view, the data would be very important to analyze from that because it will help us to calibrate our student yields in future mixed-income housing. Um, the bottom line is that the enrollment forecasts, um, they did anticipate that while the, they suggested while the numbers may vary, and I'll move to the next slide, um, the trend they imagine being the same. In other words, that um, the cohorts, that, that housing and increased birth rates will result in, over a period of time, uh, an increase in enrollment um, for SFUSD. And again, just to kind of reiterate what was kind of foreshadowed in the earlier discussion and presentation too, that the forecasts are highly sensitive to student yields and that's something we need to monitor. And also the timing, at, when they developed these enrollment projections, the timing about housing development was uncertain. So moving forward, working with the planning department and others, it will be very helpful to have the most current data to refresh our enrollment forecasts. Um, this visual um, on the next slide just kind of shows uh, where some of the major housing developments um, are located and how that will have an impact um, on the overall picture. Um, and it's directly connected to something that's been a longstanding observation for the San Francisco Unified School District, and that is that there's a mismatch between our, where our students live and where our schools are located. In 2009, the demographers did an extensive analysis um, that illustrated um, this um, mismatch. Uh, and then each year um, in the annual report, we update this particular map that shows, um, based on the number of applicants in each attendance area, how that compared to the number of seats that are available in our existing um, elementary um, schools. And the patterns that you see here are very consistent with the patterns uh, that were revealed in the analysis done in 2009. And that is to say that there's high concentrations of students living in the southeast um, part of our, of our city um, and that there's um, less elementary space in those schools than there are children who are living near it. So the red <coughs> dot indicates that there's there are a greater number of residents living in that area than there are kindergarten seats available. Um, the larger the red, the greater the, the mismatch between those two. The yellow circles indicate that there are um, more seats in that attendance area than there are children who applied to go to kindergarten. Not necessarily to that school. They could have applied anywhere in the city. It's basically just saying, take the whole universe of children who applied to kindergarten, see where they live, 
Don't look at their choices, just where they live, and compare it to the number of seats we have in the district. And so this finding is consistent each year, that there's a mismatch between where our students live and where our schools are located. So some of the key questions we're exploring and beginning to explore in more depth are, um, do the enrollment forecasts indicate a need to build new schools? And if they do, where and when? What would the time frame be? When do we expect these increases to materialize in our schools? Um, how might we address the mismatch between where our students live and where schools are located? And indeed, where the additional growth is anticipated and how that's going to exacerbate this mismatch between where students live and where our schools are located. And what changes might need might be needed to support the relationship between the built environment and teaching and learning for the 21st century. So there's a lot of discussion around that happening, um, particularly with regard to high schools and our Vision 2025 and the graduate student profile. Um, and so those questions are being explored um, by various teams within the district. In terms of next steps, we're really excited about the collaboration with the city. While we've used their data in the past to develop our enrollment projections, and we've really appreciated that, we look forward to a deeper engagement um, between uh, the SFUSD and city agencies as we work to refresh um, our enrollment forecasts. We're also hoping to re-engage our demographers so we can refresh them based on the latest housing and also the latest enrollment data. A couple of other things that the committee might be interested in knowing is that um, we're partnering with UC Berkeley Center for Cities and Schools. They have a PLUS fellowship program that stands for Planning and Learning United for Systems Change. Um, and there are three different areas that we're going to be exploring or they're going to be exploring with us this year through the PLUS fellowship. One is the impact of trends in local housing development and demographic change. Um, specifically, the PLUS fellow will look at and um, we'll look to see how other districts and cities across the nation are addressing this issue and approaching some of the key questions we're exploring. There's also some, a fellow that's going to be working on student transportation planning for equity, health, and sustainability. And this, of course, is all modes of transportation. Um, and then there are a couple of fellows that are going to be working with Hope SF Choice Neighborhoods Community, Redevelopment and Education. And they're going to be working with the city and also with SFUSD on that. Um, so this is just a, a, hopefully this provides the information the committee was interested in reviewing, and I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. Thank you, Ms. O'Keefe. Um, this is actually super interesting. Um, and when I looked through some of the data a couple of weeks ago um, that you sent to our office, I was fascinated by the fact that there is a very predictable correlation between the number of births and then SFUSD attendance. It's almost hard to believe that it's been 50% of all births on any given year then later attend kindergarten SFUC, and it's great to see that that's actually grown to 53%. I mean, clearly, of the remaining 50% that remains, some of them have moved out of the city and some of them have chosen to go to private school. Um, but it's just fascinating that there has been such a steady um, prediction. Um, I had a couple of questions, and maybe they're not so much questions, but um, questions to be answered today, but questions to be answered through these meetings um, between um, SFUSD and planning. And by the way, I'm very um, happy that um, both Commissioner Mendoza and um, Fewer are pushing this forward, um, because this is exactly the type of planning we want to happen today, um, so that there isn't a day that 
Um, we've hit capacity on kindergarten enrollment, and we're suddenly all looking around where to place um, all these kindergartners that w do want to go to public school here in San Francisco. A um, couple of things that I've noticed. One is that, you know, largely where the growth is occurring today is where we have very few schools. In fact, I was really stunned that out of 120 schools in SFUSD, um, plus or minus, um, in District 6, I only have three schools in my district, and one is a charter high school on Treasure Island. Um, and I imagine that this will continue to um, be something for us to look at, is that um, where the growth is occurring is, of course, where we don't have a lot of existing schools, and so there isn't necessarily an opportunity to expand those sites. But I'm curious, at some point, maybe if we can also look at where our surplus property is, both the city and the school district, um, to see if there are potential sites, if we are going to um, expand sites or build new schools. Of course, you know, our, our office continues to be very interested in the construction of Mission Bay Elementary School, something that we've talked about since I was on the Board of Education. Um, and I can't tell you the number of strollers that I see um, in Mission Bay every day. It's actually astonishing. Um, and I was also really interested in the yields that your demographers looked at. And it's interesting that they're um, is a different yield depending on the type of housing that you lived. It makes sense, intuitive sense. Um, but I was noticing that, you know, there's an assumption that you're more likely to go to public school if you live in public housing or even in a standalone affordable housing building um, versus market rate. And so actually the yield for, I just want to understand, if I understood this correctly, mm -hmm. the yield is one SFUSD student is yielded per 100 market rate units. Is that correct? This is on page 7. Yes, that's based on hist history, the la mm -hmm. seven, an average of seven years, so up to 2012. So what they did was they looked at all of the housing, the number of units, uh -huh. and they, they had all of our enrollment data, so they were able to see, based on those addresses, how many children in SFUSD were actually living in, in those, in those, at those addresses, and they used that as an average. But they also say throughout the report that it's really imp important to keep monitoring that because that's, that's up to 2012 on average what it was. Um, and so they kind of use that to, for the enrollment forecasts. But as that changes, so would the um, yield formula. Okay. I, I, I'm really glad that we're, of course, not just looking at the historic trends um, that will um, hopefully be doing some survey work amongst the families while they're here before they make decisions on whether to move out or to go private or to go public. Um, and maybe that this is a good category um, of families to, um, to survey to understand their decision-making process. Um, we want to, of course, increase the yield in our market rate units, um, if anything. Uh, we want mo more of them to choose to stay in San Francisco and to go to SFUSD. Um, but it's really interesting looking at the historical trend. But we don't want to set up a situation where we assume that market rate families are leaving or going to go to private school, and therefore we're not preparing slots for them because then we're creating the chicken or, chicken or egg scenario where we make the assumption and then those families choose not to go public because there aren't slots or because there isn't one in their neighborhood. Um, the one other thing I just wanted to point out uh, is that um, some of the build some of the um, buildings that you listed on page six, um, including Park Terrace and Mission Creek Senior, you said that there are no affordable units, but I assume you meant no affordable units with kids because they're senior. 
they're 100% affordable senior housing. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't want it to make it seem like we were not building any affordable housing in those buildings. Um, but just to clarify that piece. Um, okay, Commissioner Mendoza. Thank you. There we go. Thank you. Um, I want to thank both um, Gil and Orla for the presentations. These are, you know, obviously um, pieces that we've we've seen now twice, <laughs> and um, and I think each time it it reminds us that we really need to to bring all of this together. And so I want to just thank you both for that. And I also want to acknowledge um, Leonard Tom, who's in the audience, who is our um, our um, director of, of our bonds and has managed our uh, the school district's um, growth and improvements and modernization through the bond initiative and thank him for being here because I think part of um, the knowledge that we've, we're going to be gaining from these conversations will include um, even perhaps the, the bond initiative um, being thought through differently. So um, when we started this conversation, it was about a variety of different things, and I really want to also acknowledge my colleague, President Fewer, for, for, um, for you know, having this conversation with us. So for me, it was about the growth of our city and, and how we're starting to um, be, a part or, be a larger part of the fabric of the city, the school district. Um, at least in terms of, of the impact that it has on our families who attend our schools and really getting a better understanding because more and more people are showing up at our board meeting saying, you know, you need to deal with this and you need to deal with that. Clearly some of the issues that are outside of our area of expertise and jurisdiction but would help us to do our planning if we knew more about what was happening um, around the growth of our city. The other thing that I think this conversation will highlight will be um, how we look at student assignment going forward. Um, I think as we're making some decisions around tweaking it and where, again, the growth of, our, of the different areas of the city and where families will be coming from um, will help us be more proactive around any tweaks that we do to student assignment. This is also going to have us think differently about how we expand our schools. I think both um, President Fuhr and I have had conversations around, um, did we make Willie Brown tall enough? Did we um, give 1950, um, should, should we have waited on that and, and built Marshall there and did the affordable housing at the Marshall site? So, you know, all of these things that we, we don't feel like we have enough information to speak intelligently about it or um, feel like we can ha give an opinion about it because we just we're not aware of all of the different units that were being built around these various um, sites. And, and, you know, Marshall in particular is really a hot topic item on our agenda right now because, um, you know, we're going to be presented with some options of, of how to support the school with the 351 units being built right next door to it. And um, this has kind of forced us to think about what what can, what are the benefits that, that Marshall should um, glean from this growth um, and somewhat of an inconvenience during the time that it's being built. But at the same time, um, is, is Marshall the only school that should benefit from this from this particular site being built. So those are really difficult 
questions that we're going to have to grapple with um, as we learn more and more about what the, what the development is going to look like. And then, um, Supervisor Kim, to your point, you know, the use of surplus properties, I think we've kind of put a hold on doing anything else until we know more about the outcome of this um, working group. Um, and then, and then, you know, Mission Bay was one of the schools that I, you know, side by side with you on trying to get this built. And I think now that we have more of the of the um, information from our topographers and, and information from um, our different departments, we'll get a better sense of what's possible. We certainly have met the threshold for permitting on the number of units, um, so that UCSF could transfer the property to San Francisco Unified. The question then becomes, how do we pay for a school, and what would that school look like? So I think having all of this information coming at us at, um, so that we can do some better planning around whether or not the mission base should be a high school or should it be a pre-K-5. Um, and, you know, this, this dream of having it have a science lab upstairs where all of our teachers can centrally come and get trained is, is still, um, you know, just that is a dream that I think we, we'd all like to be able to explore depending on the growth of our city. Um, and, and, you know, Mission Bay, I think, leaps and bounds and some of the plans that they have to um, improve the landscape and, you know, with the warriors coming and with, you know, just a variety of different um, things that will be impacting the community, um, how we accommodate all of our families and our students will be a really big conversation to have. So I just want, I'm just grateful that everybody's come to the table, that we're really going to hammer through this, um, and then hopefully, you know, through these quarterly meetings, have some, have some um, action plans and some tasks that will help us to have these, these deeper conversations for planning. Commissioner Fewer. Um, thank you, Supervisor Kim. Yes, I think these two presentations um, even with the projection of numbers being different. So our projection of numbers from SFUSD through 2040 is 77,000. Mr. Kelly just gave us a presentation of projected um, housing units at about 97,000 or 92,000. So we're seeing even a 20,000 difference in our projections. And so I think this really shows sort of like we need to get on the same page. So there's some other things I think that we need to be aware of when we're speaking about the increased residency of San Francisco. One is that, um, is there the infrastructure for transportation system to support our current student assignment system? That will have, how will the new um, residents of San Francisco, or the patterns actually, where you see we have an increase of population in areas where we really don't have a lot of schools, and what does our student assignment process or um, just their process need to really needs to look like to, in order to, I guess, add to the increased mobility of San Franciscans and also about the residents that live here. And so that is one consideration that we are always looking at is our student assignment and how it affects the larger population of San Francisco and also the families that are here. Another thing is about our school facilities bonds. If we see that we will need to build new schools, we would need to plan for that far in advance. We kind of queue up, you know, in order to put a bond on 
and we have great facility needs because we have many, many old buildings. But in order for us to build a school, it is very expensive. The new Willie Brown Middle School costs about $54 million. It takes about five years for us to actually put a bond on, plan for it, design it, and have it built and ready for open. And by the way, the new Willie Brown Middle School is opening in August of 2015. Another thing to consider is 135 NS. We are looking at an educational arts complex there. Um, and we do have some extra space. So the conversation has been, what do we do with that extra space? In the mid-market area, where there is a lot of growth, as, super, as um, Supervisor Kim knows, that we don't have a middle school there right. at all. We have one small elementary school, and we have Bessie Carmichael, which their middle school was designed to be a very small middle mm -hmm. school. And actually, all of our elementary schools are small elementary schools, and they have a capacity of about four or 500. And so we are, so I think that it, it causes us to pause and rethink a little bit about what, what we need to do with our existing properties, and also, if our school um, population changes and we see a, an increase, we may need to look at new administrative offices that can also support and accommodate this new growth in our student enrollment. That would mean that we would need to look at probably maybe a new administrative office or build on our existing one, considering that we our administrative offices now are all over the city and not in one location. So I think it, um, this is very timely to have this conversation. And what Commissioner Mendoza McDonald mentioned about what's happening in the mission and we can't look at one development. I think it would not be prudent or wise to look at one development without look in isolation and that we would need to look at all the developments surrounding, for example, Marshall Elementary School that has the maximum capacity of 240 students. Since we did sell the property right across the street from it, to the mayor's office of housing hoping to build 115 of affordable family units which we thought may go to Marshall Elementary School. So we I think are um, challenged in a couple of ways here. I think that the information that we have needs to coincide with the information that and be aligned with the information that the city is giving us. We need to look at transportation systems, also the infrastructure to support our families here, and what kind of support services are we planning for the next 20 years also to support the families coming in? Do we have enough recreation space? What about open space? All these things I think the families look at and schools do need to look at this not in isolation but rather as um, part of the bigger picture of what makes San Francisco such a, a great place to live when people want to live here, educate their children in our public school system, and actually um, set down, lay down roots here. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, seeing no further comments um, at this time, I will open up for public comment. Seeing no public comment at this time, public comment is now closed. Um, I do want to thank um, both the Planning Department and SFUSD um, for the presentation today and also beginning the conversation a month ago um, prepare in advance for preparing for this hearing. And I'm really excited about supporting the development of policies um, here both at the city level um, and at the school district level that will further in integrate um, both the city's planning's 
projections and also SFUSD's own uh, planning and forecasting. Um, this isn't just an issue that impacts planning at SFUSD, but of course the future economic development of our city. And I do hear all the time from our employers um, how important our public school district and um, the success of this district is um, to growing our workforce population. I um, I'm really glad that we have this at the school district select committee. This is really an appropriate item for both the city and the school district um, to uh, continue a robust discussion around. Um, having served on both bodies, it, it's really just interesting to see kind of the shift in conversation um, when we're looking at our surplus properties like 700 font and like 1950 Mission, the idea was always, well, how can we sell it or how can we utilize it for other purposes to benefit the community, whether it's affordable housing, revenue for the school district, um, grocery stores, um, gardens, all those sorts of things. And now we're looking back at those sites and saying, well, actually, are they more appropriate to help us grow our student body? Um, of course, in areas that we are growing our resident um, our resident population. And I do really look forward to a continuing conversation on Mission Bay Elementary School. I know that our office and our district will continue. <laughs> elementary school. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I keep calling it an <laughs> elementary school. That is, uh, well, pushing on the site and the construction of that site, because that is a site that is deeded um, to the school district to build on. But we know that um, we're not going to be able to meet the need if we don't do that planning today. Um, there's a lot of long-term long planning that's involved in this. And what's exciting is that, you know, we can start to incorporate this in our area plans. And particular in our district, we are engaged in long-term plans with Central Soma, um, maybe other area plans. And, you know, our focus from our office has always been about affordable housing and open space, street infrastructure work, and public transit. But now we should be looking at child care and um, K through 12, and maybe asking and seeing whether that should be a part of our area planning, whether we should be looking at parcels or setting aside parcels for the growth of SFUSD, whether we should be looking at a nexus study um, and developer impact fees um, for this need as well. And so that's incredibly exciting, and I look forward to the next stage of conversation. Um, I assume that we'll want to keep this item at committee, um, so I will make a motion to continue um, to the call of the chair. And I think it would be great also to have SFMTA involved in a future conversation because transportation is a key piece um, to this as well, not just housing and our schools. And I think, uh, you know, it's really interesting as we see increased congestion in our city um, because of our growth in worker and resident population, you know, there will be, um, I think, more questions on how we do student assignment and student enrollment. So I'm seeing no further comments. Um, so I'm seeing no further comments. Um, 